looking here this morning at God's grace at work in us and in our culture, even as we submit to our rulers, as is talked about here this morning, we don't typically like these sorts of messages. They remind us that without, despite all the liberties we've been promised, all the, all the freedoms that have been uh, forged for us, that we still have a responsibility before God to be responsible to those that He has placed as our rulers. I was traveling down uh, 231, heading south toward Crawfordsville um, yesterday morning, and, and a great song came on the radio. It was the Newsboys, The Greatness of Our God. And, and as I passed by St. Vincent, I, 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 was, I was listening to the words, From the dawn of creation, this world has been crying out for hope, for a hero to save us. We long for the supernatural. But there is only one God who can save the day. So clear the stage, prepare the way, because heaven and earth are singing. And this was just resonating in my heart as I I head down the hill towards Lafayette Road, that that stoplight there before coming into Crawfordsville, and singing of the greatness of our God. And and it's just inspiring me. I'm just like, like thinking about how awesome God is, not noticing that I'm going pretty fast. Also not noticing this state trooper behind me. Until I see these lights come on, I'm like, well, he must need to get by. So I switch lanes, and he switches lanes with me. I'm like, uh-oh. So, yeah, I get pulled over. Thankfully, it just turned out to be a, a warning. But, you know, of course, I wasn't going to say, hey, I'm praising the Lord. And if that makes me go faster, that's up to him. Right? You don't have any right to tell me how to praise the Lord. Maybe I'm praising the Lord with my right foot, right? No, that's not how it works. We're reminded how it works here this morning. From verses 13 through 17 of 1 Peter 2. Where we read, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. Honor the emperor. We see in verse 13, this first half of verse 13, uh, the big idea of the rest of this chapter and into chapter 3. And it's going to kind of guide, this this verse 13 is going to guide our understanding of today's passage and the next two weeks as well. And from verse 13, we are told to fall in line with God's design for submission. To fall in line with God's design for submission. And and this overarching statement opens up this discussion about human institutions that God has in place for us to be subjected to, to be submitted to. Where he says in verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. 
It's interesting, this term, uh, human institution, it actually means human creation, or as the Revised Standard Version puts it, every institution ordained for men. And it's describing those institutions that somebody could say, well, that's just a creation of man. Like a lot of people talk about marriage this day. But, but, but this, this terminology here describes the idea that God, through uh, culture, has established certain institutions like government, like marriage, which, of course, you can see even back to Genesis 1 uh, through 3 that, that is God's original institution, but we won't, we won't, we'll save that for two weeks from now. But, but there's institutions that have been ordained for mankind that, that have a natural submission to them. And being a Christian does not mean that we are free from all authorities in our lives. In fact, God has designed for those institutions to involve a line of authority. And the three human institutions that will flow out of this statement in verse 13 have to do first with government, as we'll look at today, and also employment, or in First Peter's terminology, slave and master. It might feel that way at times for you. And marriage, which we'll look at in two weeks. And the passages will use this same term that's worded here, be subject. And the term uh, means to line up under. Okay, like, like a, a platoon lining up underneath their platoon leader. Okay, so the root word, we don't use this word, but it's a kind of a, it comes from the Latin, but the word ject or the phrase or the, the word, I don't, I don't know, it's a subword. It's not a suffix, but um, ject means to throw. Okay? To project means to throw forward. To inject means to throw in. To, to uh, reject means to throw back. To eject means to throw out. We are not to reject human institutions of authority or to eject from them. We are to be subject to them. The prefix sub means under. To throw under is to subject. This term is passive. Be subject. So be thrown under for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Think of the term submission. means to come under the mission of another person or an, or an institution. You could think of, of how church leadership has a responsibility of what they say to be one step behind God and one step before the people. And God's people are called to be in submission, to come under the mission that God has given to church leaders. I don't know why I went there, but um, from what I understand, the, the, the phrase in our Pledge of Allegiance that came into, uh, it was introduced into it in the last century, was we are one nation under God. That's the idea, to be subject, to be thrown under Submitted to God. All authority is lent. Okay? It's, all authority is lent from God. He gives leaders their authority. And you can learn, read about this just as much, and, or you can go back online and, and see uh, the messages from Romans 13. Uh, from, I think that was 2017 that we were there. But James 4, 7 reminds us, submit yourselves therefore to God. He is our ultimate authority. 
There's a, th- there's a line of authority even within the Trinity. You can read about in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28, that when all things are subjected to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, speaking of the Father, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Even in the Trinity, there's a line of submissiveness or subjection that, that proclaims God is all in all. He has, he has a line of authority. Jesus even was subjected or submitted to his earthly parents, recognizing human, the, the role of human institutions in submissiveness. In Luke 2.51, you could read that Jesus went down with them, speaking of Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. You know, it used to be that uh, only certain people could do weddings, maybe a judge or an ordained pastor or something like that. In Indiana, anybody can do weddings now. But, but uh, for that reason, the pastor or the judge might say at the end of the ceremony, by the power vested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And that's the idea of vested power, lent authority. And all authority originally comes from God as creator, as designer of all of it. When we find ourselves rationalizing a lack of submission, we need to check ourselves. I'll pay my taxes that they call for when government stops, fill in the blank. I'll respect my husband when he starts, fill in the blank. I'll be sensitive to my wife when she stops, Fill in the blank. I'll do my best for my boss when he realizes. Fill in the blank. When we find ourselves in that spot, we are disobeying God. God has a big plan for the relationships of submissiveness that he's designed. And he doesn't worry too much about our pride along the way. Plain and simple. The common theme that we'll find in these scenarios in 1 Peter is that we were to submit For the Lord's sake. For his glory. And it's a good thing that we learned last week that in order to bring God glory and for us to have joy, we must first surrender to our fleshly desires and two, surrender to his agenda. Remember? Because you've got to do that if you're going to obey here. I feel it. I bet you do too. That's what it's going to take to be submitted to the authority that God has put in place over us. And we must do so according to God's design and for His glory, for His sake, as is said in verse 13. So when it comes to dealing with government leaders, we're told to carry out God's will by submitting to rulers. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Understand that, that it can be understand when it talks about the, the, the governors are sent to punish or uh, those who do evil or to praise those who do good, that that, that praise can be understood as, as coming, uh, being found innocent 
in a court of law. I, I was told once about a statement that Glenn McFarlane used to make. Live your life in such a way so that people would never believe the bad things that others say about you. That's what's being talked about here. That's how we are to respond. And so the summary announcement of verse 13, to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, flows easily into listing government officials. The supreme ruler of that time in the Roman Empire, of whom Peter is living under the shadow of this man Nero in Rome, is is the emperor. And the governors are those that he would have placed around the the, uh, empire. For instance, this term governor is used of Pilate, whom Jesus was crucified under, and of Felix, who Paul appealed to when he was under arrest. These governors are sent by him, and this could better be understood as sent through him, implying that the governors are in the position of having been sent by God, but sent through the emperor. God has a job for government officials. And his job for us is submission to God's mission for the ruler. Now you're going to hear a lot in this and, and think a lot of, I don't think our rulers are doing that. I don't think, I, I think they're falling behind on this. Understand that the scenario here is everybody's eyes on God. That this is talking to us and telling us, get your eyes on God and what he wants you to be doing, even though that official's eyes are not on God. Just because they have a responsibility before God and they might be getting away with not fulfilling that doesn't mean that God is not taking note. He is, most certainly. But we are to be in submission to God's mission for the ruler. And God's mission for the ruler, for governors is to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. The punish term here means retribution. Just a little sociological statement here. Um, This goes beyond reform or protection of the public. Government had the responsibility, it has the responsibility to punish evil. And I agree with one statement that said, governments that fail to punish wrongdoers disobey God's purpose for their existence. Did you know that America has the largest prison population per capita in the civilized world? There's a whole lot of attempts at reform, and it doesn't seem to be working. But Peter was writing this under the rule of Nero, a crazy tyrant. And if if failure of the government to do its job was justification to disobey it, I think Peter would have spoken up here and said something about that. The fact is that government leaders are accountable to God to obey him just as we are. And what about when government authorities demand that we disobey God? We see examples of that in Scripture. You can see that in Exodus 1, in which Pharaoh was was commanding that the midwives of Israel, of the Hebrew people, be a part of killing 
the, the male babies of the Hebrew people. And you can read that it says the, mir- the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. You can read about in Daniel 3 about Daniel and his three friends that they, that they decided that it was God's conviction of their heart that they should not allow the, the to, that they should not eat the food from the, the, uh, the king's table lest it would defile their commitment before the Lord. But they, in an honorable and in a respectful way, they worked out a way with the steward that had been placed over them that they could obey God and still honor the man that was over them. Daniel 6, you can read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go as far as to defy the king rather than to commit idolatry and bow the knee. And face the threat of their life as a result. Peter is very familiar with the situation of Acts 4. Where where the Jewish ruling, ruling leaders called the apostles and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But you can read in verse 19. But Peter and John answered them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak that we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And he says later in Acts 5, we must obey God rather than man. We've heard of, we don't experience modern day examples of this necessarily, like in the Middle East, where it's a crime punishable by death to become a Christian. Where, Where in Saudi Arabia, every person has an ID card And under religion, it'll say M. And if that M changes to C for Christian, there's a bounty on their head. Yet even still, these people read where we're told in Hebrews 10, do not forsake the assembly as is is common. Or for China with its one-child policy. That if you don't have enough money to pay the fine that comes along with having more than one child, the expectation is that you'll abort it. We don't know what it's like to live under these expectations. But we're told in maybe somewhat of a cold way what should be the line of authority here in 1 Peter 2. But it might be the more subtle thieves that we see in the United States where couples are, have face a better tax situation if they remain unmarried. Or mothers receive more welfare if they have more children, even while single. But government does have a responsibility before the Lord. I saw an example of that, of the, the warning uh, that we saw driving into Chicago. is kind of a funny way to put it. It said, uh, the sign said, this weekend only, drive drunk and get an extra hour in jail. <laughs> it's good to have that reminder. That's what our leaders should be doing. The idea again, guys, is the picture painted here is everyone's eyes on God. The government is encouraged to, toward just, is to encourage justice and abiding by the law. And the Christians are called to trust God and obey governing officials, thereby obeying God as long as they are able to also abide by God's commands. 
In the same way, God calls for submission to God's plan for foolish talkers. We're seeing a lot of that in our culture these days. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Verse 15 says, this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. God's will is that we submit to the people and process that they impose and at the end that the scoffers of God are silenced by our doing good. It may be that being exonerated in the public square is God's intention for silencing the ignorance of foolish people. It may be that we're not exonerated, but those who are still observing are able to observe the peace and the kindness and the honor that we still show others, even while being accused. Interestingly, the silence here, the term for silence literally means muzzle. As if the pagan critics of that day are like yelping, barking dogs. And folks, Romans 1, which there's a little study of this in uh, the uh, personal study that you can pick out in the foyer if you're interested in that. Romans 1 actually explains how societies lose their grasp on reality, ending up with arguments that lack intellectual honesty and ending up with defenders that melt like snowflakes. Under the least bit of rebuttal of truth. Romans 1 says as much in verses 21 through 23 where it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. I don't know if you're all familiar with it, but you should look up the fable of the emperor's new clothes. That's so much of how, that's what I'm reminded of time and time again in in our culture these days, where it seems like everybody's running headlong, headlong to say, I'm on board too, I'm on board too. Well, we don't have time to go into it right now, but I think of this umbrella and I've mentioned this before. I don't think we've ever looked at a visual of it. I think of this umbrella in, in which God's blessing, that shade of God's blessing is what we're able to live under as we live obediently to Him. Okay, and this second umbrella the, is, is the umbrella of government. And folks, the fact is, is you know, we, representative, we live in a representative republic, but there's all sorts of other forms of government that, that could honor God and his way of, of government working out and, and people living under that. But God's design is for us as we live within our culture to live under that government in obedience to his truth and in obedience to our government. This, but this next slide is kind of the picture to me of what it's like when government is saying you must do this But when we're saying, but God's blessing, living in obedience to God is not out there where you're telling me to go. Therefore, i got to stay here. I have to object to what it is that you're telling me to do. You know, know, we've talked about, for instance, you know, like in China, 
with the expectation of that there will only be one child. Now, it's not necessarily, it's not appropriate for us to say, well, since you've passed immoral laws that, that call for me to live outside of how God has commanded for me to live, then we reject you as a legitimate ruler. Like I said, I think that's what Peter would have been saying here because that's what he lived under. But I appreciate what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, it's important that we respond. That, I'm sorry, it's important that we respect the office even though we cannot respect the man or woman in the office. As much as possible, we should seek to cooperate with the government and obey the law, but we must never allow the law to make us violate our conscience or disobey God's word. Uh, my daughter uh, in nursing school has told me that the Equality Act that, that is debated, um, and I believe it's, it's got a huge uh, support in the House of Representatives, that from what I understand is that if in its present form, it would require nurses who work in labor and delivery to, to participate in abortions. And that would be an example of saying, I can't go there. I can't go out there where you're telling me to go because I will be stepping outside of obeying God and stepping outside of his blessing. You know, as followers of Christ, we have the blessing of having the true north uh, for our compass that, that can guide us as a living testimony to the watching world. We are that. But everyone has an, an umbrella of ultimate authority established. But not everybody knows about it. Like we have God's word right at our fingertips. What a blessing that is. You know, we, we know it in terms of thinking, being able to think, what would Jesus do? But think about it in cultures like China. Okay, there's a rising uh, basic understanding of what would she do? That's not S-H-E, it's S-H-I. She being the last name of Xi Jinping, their ruler. Recently, the, 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 um, the Chinese government has released uh, Xi Jinping's rules of morality to, to govern both public and private behavior. Rules of etiquette, words that you should not say, Behavior you should not do. In all situations, both public and private, you should respect and honor the Chinese government. What it must be like to live in a culture where you don't have God's word readily available, you don't know what that upper umbrella is. We are truly blessed, guys. And we need to walk in wisdom making sure that we are walking in obedience to God. And guys, obeying God as long as it doesn't mean disobeying his commands for us, means being subjected and submissive to our governing authorities. In Christ, we're free from condemnation, from blindly following our leaders. <clears throat> but you must use your freedom to be a servant of God. You must use your freedom to be a servant of God. We're told, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. 
Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. As followers of Christ, we have been ransomed from all sorts of slavery. We, we ha- we, we've been brought to a freedom from the impossible obligation to know God through perfect obedience to his law. We've been given that freedom. We've been given the freedom of guilt from sin. And also a freedom from the shame that comes with its memory. We've been given the freedom from, over the, from the ruling power of sin, making us its slave. And we need to daily take advantage of this freedom that we have. But I want you to notice the irony of verse 16. Live as people who are free, living as servants of God. You see that? Living, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as servants of God. The, the liberty uh, should not, that should not cover up, it's literally should not veil evil. You ever see the old movie Arsenic and Old Lace? You know, the little doty old ladies, I think they were sisters, that lived in a house all by themselves, and the little doilies on their heads, and, and you know, just sweet little innocent old ladies. And turns out, you know, they would have gentlemen over for tea, and they, there was arsenic in their tea, and they were like just building up these dead bodies in the basement. And that's an example that their evil was being veiled by an appearance of, of innocence. And in the same way, our godly behavior should not be surface only, hiding a seething hatred. As one writer says, a true Christian submits himself to authority because he is first of all submitted to Christ. He uses his freedom as a tool to build with and not as a weapon to fight with. And when it says, fear God, this respectful reverence that we are to have for God, The tense is, keep fearing. I appreciate the commentator that says, this does not mean to be in terror, but awe and reverence that leads to obedience. One will never truly respect people until he reverences God. Recall from earlier in the letter, in 1 Peter 1.17, if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Remember, we're people living in a place that is not our home. But we are citizens of heaven. And and our ruler there rules us here. And we honor the ruler because we deeply respect his ultimate boss who's lent him the authority. He's saying, don't worry about him. I'll deal with him. We're called to love the brotherhood, to keep loving. I'm giving you this in order of significance here. and There's there's a reason for that. To love the brotherhood. This is not only to respect, but it's a strong, deep love for them, beyond honor. 
1 Peter 1.22, this is a theme here in his letter. Having purified your souls for your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. He'll tell us in 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And in chapter 4, verse 8, but above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Why does he tell us that? Because we sin against each other. But we're called to love one another. Wayne Grudem says, Christians have obligations to the state, but their obligations to God and to the brotherhood of believers are higher. We shouldn't dishonor our leaders because of their policies or because of our disappointment. And so the idea is that the honor that those in authority receive should be rooted in the same respect that God expects us to have for our common man. We are to honor everyone. And again, this tense is keep on honoring. And this includes those in authority. The, the, the scenario here seems to be this. Do I need to honor the pagan ruler? Well, you're supposed to honor all men. So, yes, you should. Realize here, the context here is we're talking about an emperor who is demanding to be worshipped. Who is demanding to be considered supreme, not just kind of like Xi Jinping uh, with the Chinese people. He's demanding not just to be uh, able to rule, but he's demanding to be feared. He's demanding to be worshipped. Well, who were we told to fear and to reverence? God. But we're told to honor our rulers because we're called to honor all people. And if they're in a high position, God has put them in that position, so we honor them according to that position because God has put them there. You know, when Kelly and I, uh, the four of us were down in Evansville for MS tournament, we were just kind of watching TV one evening, and, and I don't know what the political race was down there, but there was this commercial that came on that described this man, and, and we, we saw the commercial several times, and it kind of stuck with us, but described how he did this, and he did this, he, he's despicable. And look at his child uh, his um, child support payments he's behind here and behind here he's a deadbeat and the 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 uh, ad ends with you know so and so he's a despicable deadbeat <laughs> Kelly and I look at each other like whoa <laughs> tell us how you really feel we're called to honor those who have been who God has put in the position that he's put in. We're not seeing a lot of this in our political climate. Don't get sucked into it, guys. Don't get sucked into it. We are to bring glory to God for our good deeds, for our words. Every person is created in the image of God and worthy of honor for that reason. I, I was blessed to, to hear part of the judicial confirmation hearing for Lawrence Van Dyke. He's a nominee for the Ninth District Court of Appeals. 
And the American Bar Association had decided that because of the beliefs that he held, that anyone from the LGBT community that came uh, before him was going to be disrespected and was not going to be given a proper hearing. And a senator was asking him if that's what was going to happen. And this is what he said through tears. He said, it is a fundamental belief of mine that all people are created in the image of God. And they should all be treated with dignity and respect. No matter what lifestyle or community they represent. They're to be honored because they're made in the image of God. And I really appreciated how he put that. Well, this section that we're in is going to conclude with 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. And I just thought I'd conclude this morning with these verses. And between now and then, we're going to be looking at, uh, as we have this morning with government officials, we're going to be looking at the employer-employee relationship. We're going to look, be looking at the marriage relationship with wives and with husbands. And it'll be summed up in chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Those who imitate Christ and pursue goodness will receive eternal, eternal reward. Where he says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to see to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's let those big concepts, that big umbrella, that should define our behavior. Let's take comfort in the fact that God knows what's going on. And that God's got a plan for all of it. In the midst, let's honor everyone. Let's fear and reverence God alone. And let's work on loving one another. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you for your guidance through these days.